Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the North Fort Worth Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Boyd, and I'm joined, as always, by Pastor Stephen this afternoon. Welcome, Pastor Stephen. It is good to be back and excited to be able to be a part of another podcast. Yeah, it was. Uh, we've had a great busy week the last week or so, but uh, we had a great sermon, great service yesterday with a great sermon that you shared with us, some some big takeaways that we, we had, and we'll get into that here um, in a little bit, but uh, kids just got back from, from summer camp last week. They... Uh, Sally took a group to uh, Riverbend, and they had a successful week, I hear. Yes, I was visiting with Sally about it a little bit earlier uh, this morning, in fact, and was encouraged to see the number of children participate, yeah. and they had, a, I think, a meaningful week, a lot of fun activity for the boys and girls. If you look at Sally's calendar over the last two and a half weeks, she's had a very active uh, calendar, and We've been able to see some neat things happen, and that's encouraging coming out of the pandemic with so many things put on hold. It's it's finally encouraging to start to, to see some things happen, and, yeah. and we are looking ahead on, in terms of our children's side of things to Vacation Bible School later in July, and so... Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, those dates for Vacation Bible School and just a completely shameless plug there, July 26th through 30th. You can still register for that. There's plenty of room uh, left. I talked with Sally earlier today, and we're trying to expand that. She is reaching the goal of what she had for kids. We hope um, so. And and as you're listening, again, if you, uh, whether it's your immediate family or you have a, yeah, a open to co-worker everyone. that has children at home, that VBS is a wonderful way just to invite uh, children to participate and of course through that we have the ability to to develop relationships with some family members too yeah. and so uh think about that pray about that we, we're still about a month out but we're very much looking forward to to what god's going to do during our summer vacation yeah. bible school no doubt well we had another event planned for this past saturday actually called pray and go and we've we kind of announced that um sporadically here and there on the podcast but we've been announcing it the last several weeks yeah, during we our worship had to, gatherings had to adjust it slightly yeah. and and we think actually this may even allow us to be uh, more effective in promoting the vacation bible school we sure. shifted the date to saturday july the 10th so go ahead and, and kind of circle that in your mind. Uh, we'd invite you to come to the gym at 10 for a brief training or orientation. And then we just go out. I mean, part of what we want to do as a church is to remind ourselves Jesus calls us to go far beyond our walls. And by uh, the pray and go ministry, we just ask you to walk down a assigned street and to privately pray for the families and individuals represent, represented behind those doors. And then we leave a door hanger that uh, uh, helps someone know somebody prayed for you today, which yeah. you never know how that might reassure someone who's going through a, a personal challenge. And then there's ways that they can connect with us, uh, even sharing specific prayer requests. And, of course, on the opposite side of the door hanger will be a promo for VBS. So um, circle July the 10th. We want to, to have a great number to go out. Yeah. And uh, it will be, I think, a, a good day. Pray and Go was a, a fun event when we hosted it last year. It was it was hot, but it was really fun. And it was, it was good for everyone to... And this was right in the middle, really, of when we were dealing with uh, it was. COVID. And this was a really COVID-safe thing for us to do. It was a pretty safe thing to divide up into really small groups and to go out. And everybody was socially distanced really the, outside. The concept was developed by the North American Mission Board uh, in conjunction with our 
our annual conventions, uh, the SBC convention, they would often try to, to kind of affect an entire city, the host city, and sure. they would send teams out just to pray and ask the Lord to do uh, a fresh work. And so, again, I'm, I'm pleased by the opportunity. We hope that you're going to participate. Uh, we know summer's a busy time, and yeah, even yeah. in the morning on a, a, a summer Saturday, it can be a little bit hot, but it's a way that we can, can extend Christ's love, and I hope that you'll think about doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's July 10th. Be sure to remember that. Jot it down. Um, that's in our connections guide that will be coming out soon um, for the month of July. Um, but before July 10th arrives, we have kind of a special day in the life of our country, in the life of our culture, and our nation. And that's July 4th. That's Independence Day. Yeah, right? on, a on a Sunday this year. I, how, how rare is that? Can you remember? Well, uh, I know it has to happen consistently. Right. I, I'm trying to remember. I, I'm assuming we've had that happen at least once since I've been here at No Fort Worth. Uh, I'm in my 17th year, so I think that has happened, uh, but it, it doesn't happen regularly. So yes, it's going to be, a, I think, a, a special day. I, I hope the holiday doesn't cause too many of our members to be traveling in a way uh, from worship, but uh, it could serve as just, I think, a helpful reminder on that notable day that as a people of faith, we need to be praying for our nation. Yeah. Um, I think we all looking over the events of the last 16, 18 months, realize that uh, there are challenges that are bigger than us and, and the solutions don't appear to be simple. And so the people of faith, those who trust in Christ, follow Christ, shouldn't we be asking the Lord to help us and to help those in positions of authority know how to respond? Uh, I, I fear sometimes we're much more prone to kind of uh, get pulled into the social media trap of, sure. of just spouting off uh, whatever our political view may be. Uh, and, and at the same time, we're not as focused on praying for solutions, asking God to work through us. And so uh, as Sunday is approaching on the 4th of July, Let's be sure and pray for our nation. And we actually wanted to spend just a moment here today on the podcast as you're listening. And we wanted to voice a prayer for our nation just as a, a unique way for us to have not only a continued dialogue about what's going on in the life of our church, but what's going on in the life of our country. And no matter political alignment or affiliation, uh, I think we all can agree that prayer is essential for the success and the livelihood of, of a nation. And uh, so as we as we just take a moment, Pastor Stephen, would you mind voicing that I prayer? For us. be honored to do so. Dear God, we do pause and we direct our hearts to you, first of all, acknowledging uh, our dependence on you. Forgive us when we act in presumptuous ways. We pretend that we can find solutions outside of the wisdom that you supply. Uh, we, we acknowledge that, that tendency within us. Yet we pray, even as the fourth is approaching, that you could work through those who are in positions of authority. We pray that you could help them see things and understand things in a way that would move our nation constructively forward. I pray, Father, uh, for, for those all across our nation and uh, the, the governor's houses, the, the various state uh, offices that are being filled and, and certainly the national offices. We pray for President Biden and Lord, for all of those that are in those roles and positions of authority and influence, 
We pray that you might work through them individually and collectively. And we pray for the citizens of our land. We have witnessed over the last 12 months a lot of a division. And we, we pray that you would help us to find ways to enter into dialogue, that, that we would not view different points of view as, a, as something that should divide us, but perhaps as we would share these different views, we could find a path in a way that we could find solutions that are the right solutions. I ask, Father, that you would work through those especially who would follow your son, Jesus Christ. Let his influence be seen in what they say and also in how they say it. Lord, may we prove to be the light that Jesus desires for us to be. So, Father, we lift up our nation. I certainly pray toward this coming Sunday, and I pray for our congregation that we would be able to be the difference within our community in the way that you would desire. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've covered July 10th, pray and go. We've covered July 4th, Independence Day. And uh, let's take a step back to June 27th. Uh, this was this previous Sunday. Um, and let's kind of go beyond the sermon, Pastor Stephen. Let's talk a little bit about um, maybe some of the final thoughts or the final takeaways or some of the big things that you mentioned. You mentioned three big things that we're going to kind of talk about here just for a moment. And um, you mentioned some spiritual practices. Um, and the first one being kneeling down. And the second one being stretching out, and the third one being moving forward. Can you tell us a little bit about a bit about the passage that we uh, that we looked at? Yeah, and again, I, if you were unable to be with us on Sunday, I remind you, you can always find our Sunday services on our website at northfortworth.com. And uh, this past week, uh, we continued our lessons in the Gospel of Mark, and we uh, reached chapter five, or really we finished out chapter five this past week. And as I emphasized from the passage that certainly it's one more passage that elevates our view of Jesus. It describes how Jesus dramatically heals a woman who simply reaches out her hand to touch him. But even more, it portrays Jesus' authority over death, where a little girl has died and Jesus takes her by the hand and raises her back to life. Now, we're familiar with the accounts. Again, these are not uh, new stories, but what I tried to, to mention on Sunday is if you look at the individuals involved, we might gain some perspective on how faith should move us in our response to Jesus. And that's really where those three phrases uh, were developed. I, I referred to them as postures of faith. The first one being kneeling down. Uh, we're introduced to a religious leader by the name of Jairus who places himself at the feet of Jesus. And the point I tried to, to drive home was, you know, really that is descriptive of the heart of faith, true faith, where the person understands that Jesus is greater than he is or she is, mm. and they humble themselves before Jesus. Jairus didn't come at Jesus as an equal. He recognized there is in Jesus Christ someone uh, that is able to address my life, and he placed himself at Jesus' feet. And I said, you know, uh, if, if we are a people of faith, should we not be reflecting the same? Now, I have to admit, I think sometimes, given the way our culture is, humility isn't something that we no maintain. <laughs> I think we kind of 
the American way is the independent spirit, and it, it, that doesn't work to our advantage when we think about it in relationship to God, because it's really only as we uh, uh, kneel down that we remind ourselves of our dependence on the Lord. And I, I suggested, you know, that may be a posture that should be ours, which flowed into the second one. It really, I think, is highlighted on the part of the unnamed woman in Mark 5 who reaches out to touch Jesus' garment. And I tried to suggest that, you know, that too should be characteristic of our faith, where we stretch out our hands to him empty-handed, desiring for God to provide what we actively need. Um, I imagine uh, more times than not, what we want God to do is just to answer our prayer request in whatever, whatever way we, we would dictate. But what I offered instead was a mindset that, listen, let's just stretch out our hand primarily to take hold of God's grace. Now, the woman grabbed hold of his garment, believing that he would, he would heal her. I think we should reach out to God's grace with the same confidence that his grace is going to be sufficient. Sure. Uh, I mean, I used the example of the Apostle Paul who, whatever his struggle or thorn in the flesh may have been, it was Jesus who taught him not to ask for God to remove it, but instead to discover that, that God was gonna provide every single day what he needed to move through that. I mean, I know uh, the thorn in the flesh passage, Josh, is, is one that many people have talked about at various <laughs> times. I mean, what do you think his problem was? You know, I think Paul probably struggled a lot with humility, like a lot of us do. And I think that I've always, the, um, the masculinity in me tends to lead in that way, especially someone who is a hero of our faith, who, who someone who, I mean, even explicitly mentions, had every right to boast <laughs> about right. where he was in the faith, every um, every right to, to this, this claim to fame almost in how he had um, progressed in his 180 from his previous life. I really think um, this issue of pride, I think, yeah. was probably really up there, if not if not the thorn that he's talking about, one of the thorns that really Well, I've always it. benefited, as, as I've studied that passage on different occasions, where, again, uh, the, the thinking is all over the place about it. Sure. Some do believe that it was a reference to some... Um, kind of a spiritual weakness, whether it be pride or some other temptation. I mean, who among us haven't asked the Lord to take away a particular no vulnerability that we might have? Uh, others have thought it was a relational thorn, that uh, there was a person in his life that was just pushing his button constantly, and he's asking, now, Lord, just remove that, that struggle. Right. And again, once again, who among us has it maybe prayed at times, Lord, I really wish you wouldn't let that person be as present in my life as they seem to be. Uh, and then there are those who would suggest that the problem was physical and that it, as I alluded to on Sunday, that maybe he was going blind. Uh, in one of his letters, at the end of his letter, he notes that he was writing in his own hand and there's a reference to the size and the implication being that maybe that he would write with large letters because sadly his eyesight was, so was weakening. And so, but whatever it is, and, and honestly, I'm, I'm actually glad it isn't defined because as we've touched on all of these themes, uh, the promise that is described by Paul is applicable in all of these areas. 
whether it's a temptation or a challenging relationship or a physical sure. hardship, what Jesus says to Paul, Jesus says to us, my grace is sufficient to you. If you would recognize that in your weakness, I can make you strong, then you can actually experience more of Jesus. And that's really, that was my point on Sunday. You know, every day of our lives, what we probably should do after we kneel down is stretch out our hands of faith, asking in a fresh way for Jesus to direct his sustaining grace, his provision to help us respond to whatever that is. And I do believe he will help us with that. And uh, again, that is by no means uh, minimizing the challenge that you're facing, as I shared about my own granddaughter on Sunday. I mean, uh, my daughter and son-in-law and their family have been on a long path given the physical challenges of our granddaughter, whether it's something like that or even in your own life, just a, a, a personal burden or weight. Let's permit the Lord to just lift us up as we stretch out our hands of faith. And a final comment there, I, I don't think you do that once. Uh, I know in the woman's case, it only took once for the Lord to completely heal her. But in our situations, if it's God's grace that's going to sustain us, then at least from my point of view, we stretch out our empty hands daily to allow him to fill our hands with the sustaining grace. And then we repeat the same the next day and then the next day. So we stretch out. And then the final emphasis probably is the most challenging of them all. No doubt. <laughs> that we adopt the posture of faith where we're moving forward. And uh, in the account, as I uh, conceded yesterday or on Sunday, I can't even imagine what Jairus was feeling, having heard the report that his daughter is now dead, that he still makes the journey to his home with Jesus, with the words of Jesus in the back of his mind, do not be afraid, only believe. Yeah. Well, when we look at the dark challenges in front of us, the uncertainties of our tomorrow. Maybe that's exactly what needs to be uh, in the back of our mind. We just need to hear Jesus saying to us, stop being afraid, believe. And as we do that, we are able to move forward toward that uncertainty because we know the Lord is with us. We know his intention is to bring about a good if we would trust him and and we move through it uh, toward whatever that, that situation would be. Obviously, in the account in Mark 5, it was the resurrection of his little girl. For us, I don't know what it will be. For you, I don't know what it will be if you're listening to us this afternoon. But see, faith would enable you to move forward toward it in a way that you can trust the Lord. And, and I, I hope that maybe is something that, that encourages you. So as you look at where we are, as, as Josh highlighted the three postures, we kneel down, we stretch out, we move forward. Thoughts, further thoughts that you might have, Josh? Yeah, something that I think we may, you know, tie in here with this moving forward aspect is that um, 
each time that, I mean, there is a physical movement that happens here. And I think that's important to look at, not just in a cliche way, but there is, there is, there is effort (laughs) that's involved in that. It's not, it's not just a, uh, we do rely on the Lord for that strength and we rely on the Lord to help keep us moving. But there, there has to be some effort on our part to keep up with that. You you do engage. I mean, and faith is, is supposed to be a verb. Yes. Uh, We've made it more times than I don't know, just kind of a noun, I have faith, but really descriptively in both the Old and the New Testament, when you really are talking about someone having faith, it's active. It's causing something that's resulting in them taking a step. And again, look at Mark 5. Uh, The woman actively reached out to touch Jesus. And in Jairus' case, he, first of all, actively sought Jesus and knelt before him. Then he actively got up, mm-hmm. even with the bad news about his daughter's death, and then makes the journey to his home. And so faith isn't simply a feeling that one sure. might have. It, it's going to be observed by the action that we take. And, and I, I would encourage someone that's listening even this afternoon, you, you're in the middle of a bad situation. You've been asking the Lord to help you and to encourage you. And if, if you're not careful, your temptation is, is to sit on your hands. It's just, just to kind of resign to right. what will be will be. No, no faith isn't a, a, blind, a blind optimism. It, it's not a passive resignation. There are times when the Lord may ask us to wait, but I'm convinced he'll help us even come to terms with that but the disposition of the heart is one that is moving toward Jesus and by faith then moving through the situation at hand and so again wherever you are I hope these three descriptives might serve as a reminder to you even through the rest of today into tomorrow let's kneel down let's stretch out to receive the grace that we need and then with the Lord let's move forward and and know that he will demonstrate his faithfulness even as we move toward what may appear to be a very uncertain future yeah no doubt well we had a couple of questions as we wrap up the the podcast today we had a couple of questions that were submitted the first one i think you know we talked about this earlier today as we were discussing this question and how it may tie in with uh with the gospel of mark and our our study on mark but the question is why is john 753 through 811 included in our Bible today if it was not included in the earliest manuscripts of John's gospel. Now, if you take out your English Bibles and you'll notice from time to time, there will be some brackets placed on a paragraph or a, a, a large section of a chapter. And they will, if you read at the bottom of our English translations, they will typically say uh, this passage is not present in the oldest of manuscripts. Now, the question is, well, why do we still keep them in our English Bibles? And I think that's a fair question to raise. You should appreciate that when the Bible was really translated into English and then widely distributed, we're, we're talking about the original King James Version back in the 1600s, uh, they utilized the Greek and Latin manuscripts that were available to them. And they provided for us a wonderful translation of those manuscripts. Well, archaeologically, in the centuries that have passed, uh, to no one's surprise, they've actually unearthed manuscripts that are older in age than the manuscripts that were used for the King James Version. As a result of that, 
biblical scholars that have then sought to identify for our benefit the most accurate translation of the text that we have. And that's why sure. when you see those brackets, they're indicating they've come across manuscripts that were older than the manuscripts that were used in the King James Version. Now, here's kind of a, a funny consideration. Uh, if the translators of the King James Version had worked from the same manuscripts that many uh, that are being used today, then these passages and questions probably would not have been included. But since they were included in English Bibles for three centuries, I think it's wise on the part of the various translators now to, to still retain those passages. I mean, the case in point, the question that he references involves the story of Jesus and the woman found in adultery. It's a very, very familiar account in John 8. And, uh, and so because of that, because of its familiarity, there I think is a hesitation uh, to remove it and sure. to create some questions or doubts. As an aside to that specific passage, uh, you may find this interesting. Uh, there are actually some Greek manuscripts, like a, a manuscript of the Gospel of Luke, where the story of the adulterous woman is, has been incorporated into his gospel. Now, again, these are... These are later manuscripts, and so the, I only mentioned that to illustrate. It seems like that particular story was a legitimate story just looking for a context, and the different uh, copyists through the passing of time were looking for the appropriate place to insert what yeah. they con uh, considered to be a, a true story. In fact, uh, there is some extra-biblical writing, I think it was Papias, that references this story which, again, points it back uh, to a time frame uh, where it was likely a part of the oral tradition. Uh, Papias was a disciple of John the Apostle, uh, just to give you a little better understanding of who he was. And so uh, I appreciate the hesitation of our modern Bible translators to leave passages out because it would raise questions on the part of the others. Now, somebody's listening and say, well, it just sounds to me that you've described that the Bible lacks credibility and authority, when in fact, what yeah, I've just described to you <laughs> argues that it does yeah, maintain it, integrity yeah. because what they've been striving toward all along is that we have a, a record, a biblical record that uh, is honest and as consistently as can be done is a reflection of what was written. And so I'm grateful that uh, from our Christian tradition, we'll even acknowledge these nuances. We don't mm -hmm. pretend that they're not there. Uh, we acknowledge, yeah, that's there, but take heart. What we have in our hand, I think, is all the more uh, something that we can have confidence about and then benefit from as we, as we study the Scripture. Yeah, something especially that's not contrary to sound doctrine either, something that adds to the the account of Jesus. Um, oh, indeed. And, I mean, again, the, the story of the adulterous woman. I mean, do you not see Jesus there? I yeah. mean, that's the, I think, a fair question to ask. It's, it's, Is it's, it not a beautiful... <laughs> A reminder it doesn't of the, bring any glory to the disciples. There's there's no there's no self seeking in in any of the writers' context of this story. It's yeah, it is no, explicitly it's a, about Jesus. It's a, a beautiful story. Now, as you come to the end of the Gospel of Mark, as we're working through Mark again, there were some late additions and some of the uh, 
later manuscripts that you, you can read it and you think, well, that sounds a little different. It doesn't seem to be a reflection of, of what uh, you find in other parts of the New Testament, but even there, um, they have chosen to allow it to be reflected in our English Bibles so that Bible teachers like me and others can say when we come to that, th this is something that you just need to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. So the bonus question for this week, and we didn't talk about this before the podcast, who wrote the book of Hebrews? That's a wonderful question. There are many who think it was Paul. I don't personally feel that. I, I think it may, uh, may have been Apollos is what some would speculate uh, the, the author to be. Uh, the writer chooses to be unnamed. Uh, the individual doesn't identify himself. But uh, again, I think the, the broader uh, tradition has been that it's the Apostle Paul. I, again, I, I, I just leave the question open. I'm grateful for the book. It is a tremendously helpful, insightful book about Jesus Christ in the context of, of the Hebrew Jewish faith and helps us to see how sure. he is the ultimate fulfillment of all of that. The Old Testament's pointing us to Jesus if we would just uh, recognize the testimony. Yeah. The book of Hebrews, every time I read it, is so convicting on my lack of faith, <laughs> my lack of <Yeah. laughs> my lack of faith, my uh, lack of humility in serving Christ um, every time that I read it. But Which, as you touch on faith, and we'll wrap up today's podcast, I, I point you all to this coming Sunday. As much as we were encouraged by the faith of Jairus and the unnamed woman, this coming week, we're going to get into chapter 6, and Jesus goes back to Nazareth, and he can't find anyone believing in him, yeah. which is, a, to me, an unsettling picture, and we're going to consider the implications of that. Yeah, touching on the unbelief, yes. Well, it's been a great podcast today. We're excited that you've joined us, and uh, we hope that you uh, engaged in the dialogue somewhat today. Um, but church, we're praying for you. We love you. We hope you have a great week, and we'll see you back Wednesday um, at 6.30 for all of our Wednesday night activities, and then Sunday morning at 9 and 11 for worship. Thank you.